Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. As we're talking about just friendships in particular around a girl's best friend, I want to give you a broader perspective, especially coming from a psychological 
psychology window. And I want you to think about your circle, your friends, and I'm not talking about business relationships. I'm talking about personal friendships. And I want to give you some background information on, on friendships because, you know, when I think about just that conventional wisdom, right? When we think about choosing our friends, it's sometimes we think it's because of who we are, but it turns out that we love friends or bring people in our life because of the way they support who we are. Think about that. There was a saying that when people are asked what gives meaning to life, and think about this year on your own journey, as you reflect on your own friendships during the next 20 minutes or so, and then I want to open it up to hear from you, is when people are asked what gives meaning to life, friendships and relationships are usually at the top of the list. It's usually not their career. It's not how much money they made. It's not that I went to France for a summer. You know, it's usually relationships, family, and friendships, which is why we want to consider and think about our relationships, our friendships, who's with us. I always uh, say jokingly, but if you were at your worst moment at 2 a.m. in the morning, who would you call and who would protect your reputation? because you called them and you called them because you can trust them. I remember reading years ago, you know, in my woman redeemed uh, community, we talk a lot about friendships, especially female friendships, because sometimes when women have had toxic relationships or a history of toxic relationships or not good relationships with their mothers in particular, it's harder to have good friendships good, solid friendships with women. Sometimes I'll hear women say, oh, I'm just one of the guys. I'm just, I just get along with guys. They're not about drama, right? All these things that people tell themselves to make excuses for them not to figure out and look within themselves to say from a, just a um, normative perspective, if I'm female, what, what, what is my challenge with getting other female friends? What's my challenge with other women? And why do I find women that I think are about drama and chaos, right? Right? Because sometimes if we kind of go back to that, what we attract, what does it say about us? But anyway, I remember reading years ago about a study that researchers conducted where they followed friendships in a single two-story apartment building. can't remember exactly what the research is, but I'm sure I can find it for you if you're interested. But what they demonstrated was that people tended to be friends with the neighbors on their respective floors. Although those on the ground floor near, near where the mailboxes were and the stairway had friends on both floors, friendship was least likely between someone on the first floor and someone on the second floor. Interesting, right? So as the study had suggested, friends are often those who cross paths with us regularly. Our friends tend to be coworkers, sometimes our classmates and people who, who we may run into the gym. You know, and as I think about my own long-term friendships, one of my longest friendships is, is her name is Tamika, and she and I have known each other since four years old. So we've known each other for almost 40 years, over 40 years. And she's seen me and I've seen her through different stages of life, through, through different um, moves, through different successes, through different failures. And then after her, then I have another group of friends from elementary school, actually, where we're still all friends, where one of my friends had opened up a, a restaurant on Park Avenue in New York. We all went and celebrated her, right? And this is the, this was a friend. Her name was Kara. We had um, 
our first slumber party. I was probably like five years old and she has a picture of us all holding our little cabbage patches, our first cabbage patches back in the eighties, for those of you that remember that. So when I look at these solid friendships, right, there were classmates, my curiosity was what connected and what creates connection that keeps us in the long-term and longevity. Or some of you may have met new friends right here on this app or other social media apps that become or became solid friends. But it's no surprise that that bonds form between people who interact. So if you're in each other's DMs or, you know, you meet in real life and you're interacting with each other and you're getting to know each other, that potentially you have some lifelong friends that you've developed right here and may not have interacted with them in person, but interacted with them on social media, which the way that we are getting our new friends, getting community, getting new business deals have changed over time where, you know, growing up for me was uh, in the neighborhood or going to school or someone that the family brought into our, our life, right? Social media didn't become a thing or even internet use didn't come a thing uh, for me until, until later on in, in life. But when we think about that bond and that interaction, the process is also a little bit more complex. Think about your own journey of those who are in your life that are solid friendships. Think about or at least maybe I've thought about, like, why do we chat with some people if we go to a workout class and not others? I don't know about you, but, you know, through the years, going through certain places, you tend to gravitate towards certain people, right? And some other people, maybe not so much. But the answer may not seem so self-evident as we may think. Our friend in the making who likes to run, for example, or Um, We share certain passions, like for real estate investment or trying to cook new dishes. She laughs at our jokes and we laugh at hers. You know, in short, we have things in common, right? So we tend to move towards people that we have something in common or there's something about them that is relatable to us, which makes us drawn to them. But there's even more. Self-disclosure characterizes the moment when two people leave the realm of, you know, let's even call it buddyhood for that zone of true friendship. There's a book called Safe People by John Townsend. And he describes in the book how true solid friendships develop and how they move over time. And in his book, he has a picture of a triangle. And on the bottom of the triangle is acquaintances. These are the people we're meeting at the coffee shop. We're meeting at the networking event. We're meeting at our, our kids' school. And then over time, when we take it off of just, hey, how you doing? Now we're meeting them for coffee or we're communicating with them. Then now they move up into the middle of that triangle, which is a friendship. But over time, very few people move to the top of that pyramid, which is what he called safe people or safe friendships. That goes back to me referring to who are you going to call at 2 a.m. in the morning if you were at your worst moment, you found yourself in a place you never thought you would be, who would you call and who would protect you, who would not be calling TMZ or the morning morning gossip squad, right? So when you think about this, when we move from that place of just acquaintances to now you're a friend or true friend, sometimes it's just that moment of, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And maybe be that very, those very words that you say to someone who is about to become a friend. 
because you're showing some type of interest. You're interacting with them. You're inviting them to be closer to you. There's a book called Friendship Processes, and the author is Beverly uh, Fain. She's a sociologist, and she talked about the transition from acquaintanceship to friendship. You know, kind of looking at some of John Townsend's work, but in a different way. And she talked about it typically being characterized by an increase in both the breadth and the depth of self-disclosure. To think about self-disclosure before I kind of go on and talk a little bit about friendships, self-disclosure, who really knows you? Who really knows your, let's say your deepest, darkest secrets and they protect you? Who knows right now that you may be struggling with depression or anxiety, or you may be drinking too much? Who really knows that the guy that you went out on the date with, that you had casual sex and you weren't meaning to, who do you talk about these things with outside of maybe your therapist? <laughs> a lot of people talk to me about things that they would never talk to their friends and family with. But I can also tell you when people are walking in isolation and they hold deep, dark secrets or things that they would be ashamed of, it can get them sick, literally. Because one of the things we do know as psychologists is one of the questions we ask people is who's your support system? It's literally on our intake form. What does your support system look like? And when people don't have support systems or good friendships, good solid friendships, or they have friends that are around them that are toxic, that talk behind their back, that, you know, they really don't trust, but yep, I known her for 10 years and you keep them around. We do and we know that there could be higher rates of depression. There's higher rates of sometimes suicidal thoughts, especially in our adolescence. When you feel and you have all these people around you, but you feel more alone than ever. So I hope you get the point that friendships and relationships, good solid friendships are also key to our health, <laughs> our emotional, mental, and even our physical health. But it's important to, to understand that in those early stages of, of friendship, Friendships tend to be, and this is where it's important because I look back at toxic friendships. I'm in the space of toxic relationships. Sometimes people meet people and they feel like, oh, I've known her. Oh, I've known him all my life. It feels like, and then you rush to connect with them. You rush to attach to them. You rush to self-disclose to them, but yet you hadn't really vetted them. You like them, but yet you don't know them and you have not earned their trust or they haven't earned your trust and you haven't vetted them, but you just like them. So now you're all about, oh man, I feel like I've known her forever. And sometimes that's where people make mistakes in friendships because you liked her, but you didn't know her and you didn't learn to trust her. So then you were premature in things that you shared with this person and it gave them access to your back. And then they stabbed you in your back and then you replayed in your mind. And how can they do this to me? So my point here is that whether it's business, even romantic. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day or just friendships is the best ways. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Things tend to be gradual and hold on, hold on. There's another part to this reciprocal, <laughs> not, 
no more one-sided friendships. I don't know about you, but I've had too many one-sided friendships in my life where I was giving, giving more than it would be. It was being reciprocated. But one person takes the risk of disclosing personal information. And then sometimes what happens is they test whether the other reciprocates. And I tell you, this is not necessarily a bad thing. If you're testing from a manipulation place or testing to play games, right? Leave that at the door. But if you test in the sense of, can I trust this person? And this is reciprocal. When I call them and I ask them how they're doing, are they going to ask me how I'm doing? Or are they just going to emotionally dump on me and tell me about all the stuff they have going on? But yet I sit and I think, wow, they didn't even once ask me how I'm doing. They didn't once ask me, how is things going for you? And they didn't once ask me, how is your son doing? Anything new in your life, Janie, right? Think about that. So re 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 reciprocal friendships is key. You know, once a friendship, think about this, and I want to open this up soon to kind of hear some of your thoughts, hear some voices here at the table. Once a friendship is established through self-disclosure and reciprocation, that can be the glue that binds it to be intimate. And I'm not talking about from a physical, sexual, intimate, emotional, and mental intimate place that you get your needs met. Because I can tell you, if you're in a romantic relationship or you're married, that should not be <laughs> where you get to all your needs met. There's so many times where I work with, with couples where her or him, you know, just using heteronormative language, is that they want their partner to be the everything. I want you to be my lover. I want you to be my best friend. I want you to be my brother, my father, all these things. I mean, unrealistic expectations. You need to have friends in your life. You don't need to talk to your husband or your spouse about your menstrual cycle. <laughs> I mean, get some friends in your life um, in, that, in that sense, joking but not. But when I go back to the research of the friendship processes in, in her book, she talked about people who are successful in same-sex friendships seem to possess a well-developed in, in, intuitive understanding of the give and take of intimacy. And those who know what to say in response to another person's self-disclosure are more likely to develop satisfying relationships, friendships. This is, this, is being, this is not just someone dumping on you. It means that you are present, you're conscious, you're listening to them. You're also able to give active listening, which means you're participating in the conversation. You're setting yourself up for some good potential friendships, someone that may be around. And she talks about, in her book, about helping of emotional expressiveness and unconditional support, that those are the ingredients followed by acceptance and loyalty and trust. When our friends are there for us through the thick and thin and they rarely cross the line, a friend with too many options or too many opinions, I should say, think about this if you've had this happen, a friend who's too opinionated about your wardrobe or how you're wearing your makeup and talking to all the ladies or, you know, has too much unsolicited advice about your partner or the person you're dating or your taste in movies or the art that you may have on your wall, they may not be your friend for too long. <laughs> think about that, that highly critical person that came in and just gave you so much unsolicited advice and was so critical. Who wants that? Especially if you're healthy, you will, you will read right through that and move them to the back of the bus or the back of the auditorium. But there's another component to best friendships that may trump even intimacy. And in her book, she talked about social identity support, the way in which your friend understands and then supports our sense of self in society or the group that we run with, right? Like Breakfast with Champions. If we view ourselves, for example, as a mother, 
and let's say a belly dancer on Saturday mornings, for example, at a local dance studio, our best friend is likely to be another mom because she supports our primary social identity, right? So as opposed to some of our personal identity, let's say if we just love films. So our social identity might relate to sometimes for some people, our religion, our ethnic group, our social roles, or even memberships in a special club like Breakfast with Champions. But overall closeness and contact and supportiveness, think about this in your own friendships. They predict whether a good friendship will be maintained. Social identity support predicted whether a friend would ultimately be elevated to the position of best friend. How many of you have best friends? <laughs> Our BFFs. I know I still have, you know, from my childhood, we still call each other BFFs. But now with Tamika, who I've known since four years old, we say BFFE, best friends forever and ever. <laughs> we still say that. But we become best friends with people who boost our self-esteem by affirming our identities. Right. When you think about people who make you feel good, those are the people you want to be around, you know, whether they're members of a certain group or it's the same for both genders. Men want to hang around people that make them feel good. Men who derive their most cherished identity through their role, let's say, for example, as a high school quarterback, more likely is going to call their formal former fellow teammate. Oh, my, my, my best friend. Yeah, we played football together. Think about the language that you use or the people around you, the language that they use. Most of us prefer to think that we love our friends because of who they are, not because of the ways in which they support who we are. It sounds vaguely narcissistic, <laughs> but yet the studies do show that we do appreciate our friends because of how they support who we are. But think about this, from young adulthood and onward, our notion of what makes a good friendship changes very little but our capacity to maintain one does. You know, there's just a reality around it. We know what it means to be and have friends, but after we, let's say for, for some of us that graduated from college or, or even grade school, we go on and have separate ways. We launch our careers, we get married, we have children, we get divorced, we care for aging parents, whatever it may be. Sometimes you're often, just because of life circumstances, unable to muster the time and energy to maintain friendships that we profess to value, right? Think about when I started this segment with people say, what's most meaningful in life, friendships and relationships. But where do you put your time and your energy at? Just a thought. But like anything else in life, if we want to remain friends with someone, think about this. Even the friendships we're making here at the breakfast table, it requires a little work. Simply put, we have to show up. We have to show up. And I'm not talking about just showing up at the breakfast table. We got to check in with people. How are you doing? How are you doing, Mary Lynn? How are you doing, Dora Maria? How are you doing, Christina? You're always here supporting everyone else, but how are you doing? How are you doing, Kimberly? How are you doing, Jeff? Hey, we got to show up. We got to check in. It has to be mutual. But quickly, there are four basic behaviors that are necessary to maintain the bond. And they hold true whether we're 17 or 70. <laughs> and then I want to open up for the last few minutes, but I'm going to go through them quickly. Communication. This is facilitates the first two essential behaviors. And this goes back to me talking about self-disclosure and supportiveness. It's necessary for intimacy. We have to be willing to extend ourselves, to share our lives with friends, to keep them what's going on with us. How many of your friends know when your birthday is or what you're doing tomorrow with your family, right? Friendships, not people that we just call friends, people that are, they know us. Likewise, we need to listen to them and offer support. 
And then interaction is the third essential ingredient. And when you look at friendships, you've got to write, you've got to call, you've got to visit, you've got to show up, you've got to connect, you know, find that nearest Starbucks or take time to catch up, get on a Zoom call, whatever. And the last and most elusive uh, behavior necessary for keeping friends is being positive. Who wants to be around a Debbie Downer, negative person all the time? It's always negative. It's always problems. But, you know, we look at social psychologists, we, we taught the, necess- the necessity of self-disclosure, but that doesn't mean an unrestricted license to vent. At the end of the day, the intimacy that makes a friendship thrive, it must be enjoyable one, it must be the person when you talk to, you feel good about that you can support each other. It's not that you just mutually dump on each other. I mean, because then that person calls like, oh, you're right. Think about that. The ones you don't want to pick up the phone calls usually because there's some type of negative feeling you get. But think about those friendships that are enjoyable. You want it to be rewarding. The more we feel good about it, the more we're willing to expand that energy it takes to keep it alive. So let me just open up the last few minutes. We'd love to hear your feedback, your comments, your questions, or maybe you had a long-term friendship like me since I was four years old and I'm over 40, so I've known her for quite some time. But go ahead and flash your mics. We'd love to get a few comments in. I'm gonna start at the bottom of the stage. And if I don't see you flashing, just go ahead and kick in. What resonated with you? What does your circle look like if I was looking in your life? Go ahead and um, hurt, hurt someone on mic. Go ahead and uh, just say your name and, and share your, your thoughts. And then we'll go to Dr. Laura. It's Mary Lynn. Hey, Mary Lynn. I just, you know, I, um, when I was in St. Pete, I knew everybody, acquaintances, you know, and as I got a little bit older and I thought they were all best friends, you know, close friends and just hearing you talk, I'm like, well, were they really, but you know, um, over the last probably five, six years, I haven't maintained those. And one of them is making the time to even meet somebody at the Starbucks uh, and making sure I reach out and just ask people out of the blue how you're doing. So I haven't been the best of a friend, um, but I've been content with that, but I've been missing it lately. So I have been those are just some good reminders for me to make this shift as I, I try and reach out and make um, friendships again with women who maybe have either gone by the, you know, to the back burner or who I meet in the future. So thank you for that. Well, that means a call to action for all of us is our reaching out to someone who we haven't spoken to in a while, but we've known them for a long time. They're still in our life at a distance. They're friends. Sometimes, you know, be um, self-disclosing, Maryland. Sometimes to me, it's just sending a meme, right? A positive meme and going through my phone and occasionally on a week on a weekly basis, especially to my friends that I've known for a long time, like my friend Tamika, who I mentioned, I send her good morning uh, memes. And it's just a way to constantly let her know I'm thinking about her. And then she does the same. So sometimes that call to action is just sending a, a little message and, hey, you came to my mind today. Just check it in to see how you're doing. It can, doesn't take a lot of time for us. So our call to action for everybody today is to reach out to one friend you may not have spoken to in a while. Just let them know you're thinking about them. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Lynn. Dr. Laura, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much. This is such a great conversation, Dr. Annie. Thank you. Um, what comes to my mind is the whole concept of trust and intimacy. And I consistently, I did not come up with this. I forgot who told me. But uh, to remember intimacy is into me, you see. And in order for me to feel comfortable and safe if I'm going to allow myself to be seen and to share part of my story, I have to understand or feel that the person has some compassion 
I mean, they commit to practicing not only that loving kindness for themselves, but and also for me, in that face of suffering. And that involves the empathy, which is different than sympathy. But empathy is that that someone can understand what I'm feeling and that it's not them who is feeling it necessarily. They can draw upon from their own past and understand and say, me too, rather than sympathy where, well, that, that's, that, I feel sorry for you. That must be terrible. They sympathize. That's not empathy. And I can't connect with someone who, who um, puts me in a place where they don't consider that. And for me to, to develop that trust is, I love me some Brene Brown. And um, the trust with her acronym of, of, of braving is that there's boundaries, that you respect my boundaries, and it's, it's easier for me to say what's not okay uh, than it is to say what's okay. This is, this is my litmus test. That's not okay. And also that they're willing to put the boundaries on for themselves as well with me, that they're able to say this is what's okay and this is what's not, and reliability, that they're going to do what they say, that not only they're responsible, they're able to respond, and that they're reliable, that they consistently do the thing that they're going to do, that they say they're going to do. Accountability that when they make a mistake or a misstep, it may not even be, may be that, but if it, that's the case, that they apologize. Moreover, they make amends. And the vault is number one for me, big time, that if I share, if you share something with me that's not yours to tell about someone else, I will never trust you. Likewise, if I share something with you that's not mine to share, please don't ever trust me. Integrity is that I choose courage over comfort and that I, what I say I'm gonna do, it's it's doing what's right over what's fun, fast, and easy is what Dr. Brown says. And then finally is non-judgment and generosity. Non-judgment. I can ask for what I need, and you can ask for what you need, and we can talk about how we feel about it without any judgment. And then generosity. And mostly for me, this is a difficult one, only to the extent that I'll give to others. It's difficult for me to ask, which is, that's a huge tell. And then also with the best intention, words, and actions of others that they have that the, they have the best intentions. Um, give them the benefit of the doubt. Thanks so much for leading the conversation. I loved your share. This is Dr. Laura. Oh, Effie, amazing. Dr. Laura, and your share was great. We so appreciate you coming in and adding so much value. And you're so right when we look at some of the tenets that Brene Brown talks about, that consistency, that reliability, that accountability and what you said really stood out to me about that vault, right? I always call it that 2 a.m. call, right? That no one's going to share your business and you will protect their um, business as well and operating from a place of integrity and then looking at from being from a non-judgmental standpoint and generosity to give and take that reciprocal relationship. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.